0: All right, we are going to continue our series today. Um, we've been looking through the Gospels leading up to our Easter Sunday weekend. We just love to focus on a few weeks on the life and the teachings of Jesus. We're calling this series Good News as we look through just some of the teachings, some of the stories of Jesus Christ. Um, and I just encourage you over the next couple of weeks, just spend some time maybe reading the Gospels, preparing your heart for Good Friday service. We'd love to have you here at Good Friday service. Just a great time to pause and remember what Jesus did for us dying on the cross. And then Easter Sunday is going to be great. And we're doing a good job today. Maybe it's spring break. Normally the ten fifteen is packed, so thanks for coming. But I think a few people have found other services, especially uh, Easter weekend, Saturday night, 5 p.m., and then Sunday morning at 9 and 11.30. Uh, The 1015 usually gets pretty jammed, but we're glad you're here today. Um, We're going to be in Luke chapter 5, and we are telling the story today in Luke chapter 5. There's three stories of three different miracles that took place. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. And I encourage you to bring your Bible to church, underline some things. Maybe you want to highlight some things, make a few notes. And really the goal of that is just so that the Bible becomes something that's more than just something you see on a screen on Sunday mornings or maybe you open once a week but throughout the week if you wanted to even read Luke chapter 5 and kind of look at some of these stories and make some notes of what we talked about today really it's about getting the word of God in your life and applying to your life so that's what our goal is but we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 and there's three stories here we're going to look at them in a little bit of detail but I just want to kind of highlight them and maybe you've heard these stories before the first one is Jesus with the fishermen and he is teaching, He and we mentioned this last week. Sometimes the crowds would be so great that in order for Jesus to teach, he would have the crowds on the shore, and then he'd get into a boat and go offshore just a little bit so that he could kind of get away from the crowds to be able to teach them, and that's what he did. And there were some fishermen on the on the shore, um, and uh, he, and Jesus is there wanting to teach the crowds that are there, and the fishermen are there cleaning up all their stuff. They've been fishing all night, and he says, hey, let's pull off the shore a little bit. Would you let me teach from the boat? He does, and then he tells them to go into the water and cast their nets, and there's the miraculous catch of fish. The disciples, well, they would become the disciples. It was Peter, James, and John. There were no disciples at that moment, but they, they kind of protest in the moment. They're like, oh, we know, we've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. Um, I'm not a fisherman, and when I do, I can relate to that. I don't <laughs> catch anything Dennis can relate to that too. Um, <laughs> not that you don't, that I don't. When I fish with Dennis, I catch stuff because I just do what he says. Um, and so they're like, we don't want to go. But they reluctantly go out and they cast their nets. And because of Jesus with them, they catch this miracle catch of fish. And they have to get the other boat to come help them. And, and, uh, and that is when Jesus calls them to follow him. And they leave everything on the shore. And they become his first disciples. That's miracle number one. Second story is a man with leprosy who approaches Jesus. And he knows that Jesus has been healing people. And he approaches Jesus and says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus heals this man of leprosy. And the third story today, the third miracle is maybe one of my favorite stories in scripture. It's the story of a man who's paralyzed and has his friends carry him on a mat to be with Jesus. And Jesus is teaching in a house and these friends know that they got to get their friend to Jesus because Jesus is healing people. But they get there and there's such a crowd around them, they can't even get in the house. And so what they do is they carry their friend up on the roof of the house and they cut a hole in the roof and lower the man down from the roof, like this man descending from the roof. Think like Lady Gaga at the Super Bowl halftime show, like <laughs> descending down, almost exactly like that, right? Um, and the and the man is lowered right in front of Jesus, and Jesus performs a miracle and heals this man. Great, great stories. And here's what I want to start with today, because. A lot of times, church can be a lot of things for a lot of people. And you come here, and you're like, well, I'm just coming because I want my kids to grow up in church. Or I grew up in church, and I hear it's a good thing to do. Or my friend invited me, and, or uh, my, my in-laws keep harassing me, and the only way to keep them happy is to show up to church once in a while. We're glad you're here. But here's the thing. Part of our faith and what we get from these stories And maybe this is what you need to hear today. Part of our faith is just believing that Jesus can perform miracles. Still, amen, today, right? That he performs miracles. There's an element to our faith that is supernatural, that we're believing that God still can heal those who are sick, that God can still provide in miraculous ways. And so I think right off the bat, we just have to recognize, and there's going to be a time for us to pray for this at the end of service. But we got to recognize our faith needs to be there, that Jesus still is miraculous. Right. Amen? He still performs miracles. He's the same God that he's always been. And so that's what I want part of us to have our focus on today is just, yeah, have our faith rise. Jesus performs miracles as we see in these stories but each of these stories there's a whole lot more going on and i want to dive a little bit deeper into each of these stories because there's a different work there's a deeper work there's a whole lot of other things happening in these stories that aren't you know the main miracle even though the main miracle is awesome there's all these other hidden things in there that i wanted to highlight today so that's what we're going to do so go back to the first story the jesus in the crowd and the boat and the no disciples yet but he asks peter hey peter Uh, get in the boat with me, let's pull off to the shore, off the shore a bit, let's teach the people on the shore. And when that happens, he says, okay, Peter, I want you to pull out into the lake and we're going to fish some more. And this was as Peter, James, and John were cleaning their nets, meaning they were done. They'd been fishing all night. They were ready to go home. They were tired. And here's where we pick up the story. Luke chapter 5, verse 4 through 11, and the words will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible today. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who would become, he's known as Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, he's calling him Master not because he's decided to follow him yet. This is, from what we can tell, the first time Jesus met Peter. Peter was not a disciple yet, but he called him Master because this was a sign of respect or a term of respect for Any Jewish person, if there was a rabbi or a teacher, as Jesus was, they would respectfully call them master. That's what's happening here. Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, because you're a teacher, because you're a man of God, um, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came, they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and followed him. So there's a whole lot going on in this story that goes beyond the miraculous catch of fish. But that miraculous catch of fish is good enough for these fishermen who that was their livelihood, had spent all night getting nothing, probably thinking, great, I'm not making any money, times are tough. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and they have this miraculous catch of fish. And so first of all, they'd be saying, yay, God has provided. This is a miracle. But Peter's response is interesting because his response that he says to Jesus is, and you read it there, Jesus, go away from me, for I'm a sinner. Interesting, right? Not a, yay, we're going to sell these fish and make a ton of money. It's, Jesus, go away, I'm a sinner. Why is Peter saying that? Peter is recognizing that he is with a man of God. When he, when he sees this, he's heard Jesus teach, and now he's seen this miracle happen. He's starting to recognize this is not maybe even just a man of God, but maybe the son of God. And instantly, his mind goes to his fallen state, recognizing, I am a sinner. You are the son of God, and you need to get away from me because I can't be around you because sinful people. It's this recognition that being in the presence of God, you as a sinner, there's a humility that comes like, I am not adequately prepared to be in the presence of God. And I love that Jesus reassures Peter and not just says, don't be afraid but says, come follow me, come follow me. From now on, you're not gonna be a fisher of fish. You're gonna be one of my disciples and we're gonna fish for people. In other words, we're gonna go spread the word of God and see people's lives changed. And Peter and James and John leave everything there and follow Jesus. I love that, I love that. Here's what we can learn from this story that's more than just the miraculous catch of fish. First of all is this, our approach to God always involves humility on our part. You can't come to God with boastful thinking. You can't come to God with arrogance in your own righteousness and all the great things that you've done, thinking I'm a good guy. I can handle being in God's presence. It always involves humility because we have to recognize our fallenness when compared to God's holiness. This is step one. So if you want to become a follower of Jesus, at first there has to be a humility enough to acknowledge that you need saving. Right. If you think you're good enough on your own, there's no room for God's mercy because you don't think you need it. But there is an element to following God, approaching God, being in the presence of God. That is humility, not shame, not condemnation, but humility and gratitude. This must anchor our relationship with God is recognizing We are sinful people, and yet because of Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven and redeemed and made whole. Therefore, we have humility and we have gratitude. When we come into a place and worship, like we were doing this morning, singing a few songs, this should start us out recognizing humility and gratitude. Where would we be without the mercy of Jesus Christ? And when we begin to sing, we're like, Jesus, it is all about you. And we have gratitude because we have been saved from so much because of what Jesus has done. This must anchor our relationship with Jesus. I compare it like this when I'm talking uh, in regards to worship, like times when we're singing in worship, there's got to be a large gap. Now that means between our holiness and our awesomeness, and God's holiness and awesomeness, there's got to be a large gap there. Okay? If it's a small gap where we're thinking, I'm pretty good, and God's pretty good, it's gonna be hard for us to worship. But when we recognize his holiness versus our fallenness and what we have been saved from, man, it just worship is gonna just flow out of us, right? It's gonna be recognizing, God, you have done so much. Similar to what Peter recognized, like, I am fallen, I'm here in the presence of God, and I love that Jesus says. He welcomes him in. He doesn't say, you're right, you're a sinner, you're fallen, I'm going to leave you alone. It's, don't be afraid, I'm going to invite you in. I'm going to invite you in. Our part is always humility and gratitude. Uh, Compare it to this. Imagine you are in a dark prison cell awaiting a death sentence because of something that you've done. And the death sentence is coming. And somebody comes in and says, hey, I paid the price. You're free to go. And not only are you free to go, we're adopting you into the family of the king, the royal family, where you have full rights and access. Your response is not going to be, oh guess. It's going to be, I can't believe what I just got delivered out of. And in that family with the king, when he asks you, hey, we want you to do this. Well, I want you to call you to this. And you're invited to the table. and you're invi- It's, of course, going to be like those disciples. We're giving everything for you because of what you have delivered us out of. This is what happens with Jesus. So humility and gratitude, recognizing what we have been saved out of. Anytime there's an arrogance or a sense of entitlement in our faith, that hinders God's call. But when there is humility and gratitude, I love that God's call to Peter, Jesus said to Peter, come follow me. I'm inviting you in. We're going to change the world. You get to be a part of this. I love this. I love that Jesus' response was reassuring him and calling him to follow him to invite him in. This is what we're going to see throughout these stories. Our God is the God who invites people in. And that was a foreign thing to anybody who had viewed a God, any God at that time. A God was someone that was just kind of at a distance. Our God is the God who forgives and invites you in. That is the kind of the greater work that's going on, way more than just catching a lot of fish in that first story. Second miracle is the story of the man with leprosy. And I want to read verse 12 and 13, the same chapter, Luke chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. When Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground. Again, recognizing that there's another humility involved, someone approaching Jesus with humility. He fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So again, we notice that there's a humble, uh, there's humility with this man as he approached Jesus, bowing down in reverence. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. But here's what I want to point out in this story. Here's something deeper that's going on in this story. The man doesn't ask Jesus to heal. The man doesn't say, Lord, would you please heal me? And the Lord doesn't say, or the man doesn't say, Lord, can you heal me? Do you have enough power to heal me? He doesn't say those things. He says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He doesn't even ask a question. He makes a statement of faith. You can do it. Lord, if you're willing, I know you can do it. Lord, if you're willing, I know you can make me clean and heal this disease, which has plagued my life for who knows how long. So it wasn't a question of God's ability, of Jesus' ability in that moment to heal. What was the man questioning? His willingness. If you're willing, you can make me clean. For some reason, this man is concerned with Jesus' willingness to heal him. And I think this part of this story can speak to someone today that maybe there's someone here, you've been praying for something for a long time. There's something going on in your life that you've been dealing with or a family member or a friend, something that you have been praying for for a long time, and it seems like nothing is happening and you can relate to this guy who probably has seen miracles happen in other people, and he's wondering if it's ever going to happen for him. Anyone ever been there? God, I see you moving in other people's lives. Here's something I am praying for for a long time. So for whatever reason, he is concerned about Jesus' willingness to heal. Now, he's seen other people healed. He's heard the stories of Jesus, and I think that his Uncertainty about Jesus' willingness to heal is because of his sickness. It's because of this disease, leprosy. Leprosy was another disease that was an outcast disease. You were shunned from everybody if you had this disease. Family, friends, everyone kept you at a distance because medically they were concerned that the disease would spread. But also it was a spiritual thing where they thought... The the view at the time was if you had leprosy, that's a sign that you have been cursed by God, that God is mad at you, and that there is a reason for this, and so we're going to keep you at a distance. This was not just a disease on the outside that would affect you physically. This was debilitating on the inside because you had no social interaction, no support. You were on your own. Nobody could get even close to you, certainly not touch you. And any time that you were coming close or people were coming close to you or you were approaching other people, you had to let them know you had this disease. And it would be very common for these people in this situation to have to yell out, unclean, unclean, as people were approaching, right? Unclean, don't get too close because there's leprosy going on here, right? Imagine having to do that. Imagine having to do that. We think that would be handy maybe with some middle school boys. Um... (laughs) Right, And the parents of middle school, although we can usually tell from quite a distance, oh, unclean, in a different way, right? They need to take a shower. Um, This, imagine having that for your whole life, approaching people, having to tell them right from the get-go, I have this thing. Don't get close to me. I'm unclean. And all that would go along with that, I have this thing that causes me to be an outcast. You don't even want to get near me. You don't want to touch me. And we're pretty sure that God wants nothing to do with me. This is what is leading to this guy's um, uncertainty whether God is willing to heal because he thinks that God has also shunned him. So, for him to approach Jesus just shows a great step of faith for this guy because these people would not approach people with that disease. But he approaches Jesus, and that's a huge step of faith. And we see that Jesus is willing to heal, he is able and he is willing. Which would speak volumes to this man, more than just being healed of leprosy, which is great. Also, what the, the kind of the hidden miracle that's going on today, in, it, or going on in this story, is the work that's going on in this guy's life. Not only is he healed on the outside, but Jesus is willing to heal him, which means that he is accepted by God, which means this guy is saying, Jesus has accepted me. He's not shunning me like everything else. everybody else was. The fact that Jesus reached out and actually touched him to heal him. Alone, that touch was maybe the first time this guy had been touched by anybody in years. So what is going on in this guy's heart is not only am I healed on the outside, God is doing a work on the inside. He is healing me of that hurt. He has accepted me into the kingdom of God. This is what is going on in this guy's life. You are included in God's kingdom. And the, and the message for this guy is where everybody else has pushed you away and cut you off and shunned you, the God of the universe is bringing you in. I love that. I love that. This is the bonus miracle in this story, that God is the God of the outcast, that he is for the outcast, that the outsider, the person that the whole world says, we want nothing to do with that person. That's the people that God reaches out and say, you're involved. You're included. You are accepted. This is the great moment kind of the deeper moment in that second miracle. All right, third miracle. I mentioned this is one of my favorite stories. I love this story. The paralytic and his friends. We're going to read verse 17 through 19. Now, I don't know if these stories are all happening back to back. This is a pretty detailed account. Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, was keeping a pretty detailed account of all the things that he had heard. So Luke wasn't there at this moment, but Luke went years later and said, I've heard all these things about Jesus, so I'm going to talk to all the eyewitnesses and everybody who was there, and this is what Luke did writing this down. That's what we get to read today. So I don't know if these were like right after one another, but they would have been pretty close in time, these, all these miracles. So verse 17, one day Jesus was teaching... And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus when they could not find a way to do so because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of jesus we're going to pause there for a minute there's a lot going on in this moment i love this story there's a lot of characters in this story so for starters now because jesus has been healing people and the word is getting out now the pharisees and the religious rulers are hearing about it and they're like oh this guy's claiming to be working on behalf of god we got to go we got to check this guy out and discredit him that's their goal that's their goal here So the Pharisees are there ready to to critique Jesus and point out anything he does wrong and point out any ways that he's not adhering to their rules and their laws. And you'll see that they do that in just a minute. But in addition to the Pharisees, there's all the onlookers, people who are like, we've heard that Jesus is healing. So people are there almost just for the show. Like we're going to, there's cool stuff happening and we want to see it. So there's all these crowds of people. And then there's the man, the paralyzed man who's been carried on a mat But the people I love most in this story are the friends, the friends of this man who are carrying their friend who's paralyzed. Now, I don't know how long they've had to carry him, but that's got to be hard work, carrying a friend for that long. And they get to the house, and they see all the crowds. Now, if I'm being honest in that moment, and I'm one of the friends, there would have been a great temptation to see the crowds and just be like, you know, sorry, bud, (laughs) right? (laughs) We'll try again some other. The The line's way too long like you're like you're with your kids at the Star Wars ride at Magic Kingdom and you're just like there's no the the riot, the line's way too long maybe we'll try on off peak hours maybe he's got like another time we can come back there would have been that moment like we we just can't go any further i love that these friends are not deterred i love that these friends they have perseverance in their faith there's a reason the bible talks about persevering in faith these friends have it they're like we're not stop it now. We're getting you in front of Jesus. I don't care what we have to do. And it turns out they had to climb onto the house with their friend, cut a hole, like remove the ceiling tiles and then there would have been a lot of straw and mud, like a mud roof under these tiles and dig through that and I'm sure there's a, I'm sure it didn't happen quickly and I'm sure while Jesus is teaching there's bits of roof falling down and they're like we don't care. We're getting our friend to Jesus. This is the friends in this story are great for their perseverance. I love their perseverance. I love that. But here's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on verse 20. So the next verse, verse 20 says this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. I'm going to just keep that up there for a minute. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. We're going to look at a bunch of things. There is so much in that verse. That you might just breeze over when you're first reading it. But this is gonna be like one of those puzzles, maybe you're reading your people magazine or something, and there's a puzzle where it's like there's eight differences between this picture and this picture. Can you spot them? And like there's a p- lapel pin that's on the different side. Or anyone ever done those? And I can I'm always there, there's always a couple that I'm like, yeah, no one's ever gonna think about that. And then there's some that are super obvious. Okay, so this is gonna be like one of those. You don't gotta, you don't gotta say the answers out loud. But there's four things that are interesting about this that kind of jump out at me about that verse okay so in your mind you can think okay there's four interesting things about that and make a little list in your head and now in a moment when i mention them you can say oh yeah i I thought of that one even though maybe you never did but that's okay (laughs) all right so here's what we're going to look at there's four things from that verse four things that jump out that are significant about significant about that verse that says when jesus saw their faith he said friend your sins are forgiven okay the first one is this throw that next slide up when jesus saw their faith did anyone think of that one when he saw their faith whose faith so the guy the paralyzed man is looking for a miracle and Jesus saw their faith the friends faith that's amazing so we think about times when we're like oh i just don't know if i have the faith to believe that what the story is telling us that Jesus responds for this guy because of his friends faith that your faith makes a difference in the lives of other people that's amazing to me right your faith impacts other people, that God will look at your faith and say, I know that you have been praying and I know that you have been persevering for this person. So this person's going to receive a miracle because of your belief in your heart. That is sobering and that is humbling to me. We need friends like this. You need friends like this in your life. You need friends like this in your life. People that are going to have strong faith that are going to say, "It doesn't." I'm not getting deterred. I don't care what kind of lineup or Line up there is in front of the house. We're getting you to Jesus. We need friends like that in our lives, right? We need people who are going to just say, I got you. I'm carrying you. I'm bringing you to Jesus. My faith is going to be enough for you to get through this. So if you are going through something, you need to look around and say, do I have friends that are going to lift up my faith that are going to carry me through this? And if you don't, you've got to find some friends like that. But more than that, we need to be these friends for other people right? This is why you're in the world you're in. This is why you're a part of your community, your family, your workplace, your school, because your faith, think about that, your faith impacts other people. Your faith can be the thing that's, that's the miracle for other people. Man, we need, to, we need to be these people for others. Our faith, there must be an urgency to bring people to Jesus, Your faith has to have an urgency to bring people to Jesus. If you truly believe that eternity is at stake for people, that there is heaven and a hell, that there is lost people that can be found because of the mercy of Jesus Christ, that, of course, must lead us to have an urgency to get people to Jesus. So you might meet people in school and your family, and there's people that you're like, ah, man, what are we going to do about them and all these people that all the culture wars that we're fighting and all these things. Very simply put, you might disagree with everything about someone, but what you say is, i got to fix them so that I can bring them to Jesus. No, it's get them to Jesus. We bring people to Jesus, and Jesus has this amazing ability, as we're seeing, to just heal and sort through all the stuff and bring new life. There's got to be an urgency for us to get people to Jesus. It cannot just be something that we're like, well, I go to church and... Sure, there's all these hurting, lost people, and I got a coworker that, man, he could really use Jesus, and I'm, I'm praying that somebody will talk to him. And No, there's got to be an urgency like these friends. We're getting these people to Jesus. Amen? So that's the friends. I love that. We, he, Jesus saw their faith. Your faith impacts other people. So that's the first of the four things that kind of jumped out from that verse. The second one is this. When Jesus saw their faith, when he saw their faith, Faith is seen. Jesus, if the scripture doesn't say, well, Jesus could tell that these guys in their heart, they really believed in Jesus. He could tell that they had good thoughts in their mind or they had good things in their heart. They had faith in their heart. Jesus saw their faith. Faith is seen. Faith is something that is visible. Faith leads to action. There's a reason the scripture says faith without works is dead. Not because we're saved by works, but because when we have faith in something, it prompts us to act. If faith in something doesn't prompt us to act, then we really don't have faith in it. That's how faith works. Faith is seen. If there's a, if there's a bridge, a rickety bridge that you're walking across somewhere, and you're telling people, don't worry, it's safe, it's safe, totally, I, you can trust this bridge, and yet you're never willing to walk on the bridge, then people are going to question your faith because it has not led to action right? Faith is seen. If you're not doing anything with faith, it's not faith. It's not just an attitude. It's not just a belief. Faith is something that causes you to act. That's why it's significant that Jesus sees their faith because their faith caused them to carry their friend, to haul him up on the roof, to cut a hole in the roof, to lower him down. That's what their faith led them to do. Jesus saw it and he responded. So I want to, I have a question for you. What is the visible expression of your faith? How is your faith seen by those around you? By God, by your family members, by your coworkers, how is your faith seen? It's got to lead to you doing something and stepping out. How is your faith leading you to act? And that might be the thing that you need to take with you today is like, I've I've had this faith and I've gone to church and I believe in Jesus, but it's never caused me to kind of take that step and do that thing that caused people to notice and say, oh, they've got faith. That caused God to say, wow, their faith is causing them to act. They have faith. How is your faith seen? Jesus saw the faith of the friends and that's how he responded. The third one is this. The third one is this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend your sins are forgiven. Did anyone notice the weirdness of that in there in this story? You've got these friends who brought their paralyzed friend and hauled him up on the roof and lowered him down and dropped him down in there. And, and they're you know if they were in this generation, they'd have their phones insta-living this, like this is going to be the coolest thing ever. Watch what happens now. This is going to be awesome. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops everything and says this to the paralyzed man that they brought him there for a reason. And he says friend, your sins are forgiven, everyone would have been like, what? No. No, that's the wrong thing, Jesus. If you're on the roof, you're looking down, you've just hauled this guy from who knows how long and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. If it's me, I'm going to be like, no, that's the wrong thing, Jesus. That's not why we brought our friend here. We can worry about that some other day. We want you to heal him because he's paralyzed. So that jumps out there. Obviously, if you're in that moment, you're like, no, Jesus is reading the room wrong. He's doing the wrong thing. (laughs) It's the wrong thing, Lord. But in this moment, Jesus is speaking to everybody there. He's speaking to more than the paralyzed man. He's speaking to the friends on the roof. He's speaking to all the onlookers. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to the homeowner. I I always think of the homeowner in this point who's just got to be sitting there looking at his roof like... (laughs) You try to do nice things and have Jesus over and somebody cuts a hole in your roof and <laughs> hoping his insurance covers him for mayhem like this. Like, oh, how am I going to do get through this? Kids, if you've ever had friends over when your parents were gone, you're kind of concerned, like, I hope they don't spill something on the carpet or knock over that candlestick that's my mom's favorite. You're probably not thinking, I hope somebody doesn't cut a hole in the roof and start lowering people through it, although maybe that's happened. That's when the party's gone to a whole other level at that point. <laughs> it's hard to cover that one up. Jesus in that moment, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven because he's telling everybody the same thing. He wants everybody to know, everybody involved in this story, Jesus is saying something very important here. He's saying the biggest issue here is not that this man can't walk. The biggest issue here is a sin issue. And just because you don't have a disease or a disability does not mean you're in a good spot with God. This is what Jesus is saying. Let's focus on the most important thing first. Your relationship with God. So he's saying that to the friends. He's saying that to the Pharisees and all the onlookers. And he's saying it to the guy who wants to be healed. The biggest thing is your relationship with God. So a lot of people, you go through, you come to church, and you're like, well, if God would do this and if God would do this and if God would do this, then maybe I'd believe. You just got to start with this. The biggest issue that we have is our relationship with God. That is, our sin is what's separating us from God. And so for Jesus to come in and say, friend, your sins are forgiven is the biggest issue miracle that we could ever receive and may we never take it for granted may we never lose sight of that when we come into a church service like this like I mentioned earlier it should always be I have been forgiven of so much and I have been made right in the eyes of God and I have a relationship with him and that's the biggest thing so if it ever lose sight if we ever lose sight of that and like well God you need to do this and you need to do this and I wish you would do this God can still work in these situations, but first and foremost, the biggest thing is I have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. When we come together on Good Friday service, that's just a time for us to remember, I have been forgiven because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus is letting everybody know. We got to work on the biggest thing first. The sin is the biggest problem. And the forgiveness of Jesus is the way to be accepted and forgiven and brought into the family of God. And I love that he says this to this man, the paralyzed man, because similar to the man with leprosy, everyone would think that this man's paralyzed because of sin. And if you've ever been told that something tragic happened in your life because of sin in your life and God's mad at you, I apologize for anyone who's ever told you that. That is not how God works. But he's telling this man who's paralyzed, and he's telling everybody else, and I love this, that even this guy can be accepted. A lot of people are saying, well, he's an outcast, just like the man with leprosy. And Jesus is saying, this man's sins are forgiven. He is accepted by God. I love that. And the fourth thing, the final thing about that verse, next verse is this. Friend, just the word friend. The fact that Jesus, the son of God, is calling this man friend. The idea of being a friend of God is foreign to these people. And maybe foreign to you as you're listening because you think of God as far off and angry and just waiting for you to mess up so he can cause You know, all sorts of bad things in your life. A lot of people view God that way. Everybody viewed the gods this way in this time. The idea of being a friend of God was a foreign idea. But this is the message that Jesus is saying to this man. You're accepted. You're accepted. And he wanted everybody to hear it. This man is accepted into the family of God. That his disease, his status, that nothing about his life disqualifies him from receiving the mercy of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure he was kind of drawing a comparison to everyone knew the Pharisees there, the religious rulers who were all about excluding and keeping people at a distance. Jesus is saying, our God is the God who brings people in. That's a miracle. That's a miracle for us. He calls you friend. The God of the universe calls you his friend. So how does this happen? It does not matter about your past or your lifestyle or your status or your wealth or if you're sick or healthy or all the mess that's going on in your life, none of that matters. It is the mercy of Jesus Christ. And we receive it like we said in the first story, humility and faith. We believe Jesus can do it. We believe he's the son of God and humbly we say we need it. We need it. And that's all you need to be received and accepted into the kingdom of God because of what Jesus has done. Amen? So if I wrap up now, you're going to be like, well, what about the rest of the story? Did I actually get healed? Well, there's good news. Verse 21, it says this. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say take up your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them. That's got to be a cool moment, right? Stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, took the mat that he'd been laying on for years, uh, Where am I? took the mat that he'd been laying on and went home praising God. I bet he did. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I love that line. We've seen remarkable things today. When you're a part of a life of faith, when your faith leads you to act, when you are a part of the kingdom of God and a church family like this, when we are living a life of faith, there's gonna be so many days that you look at someone and be like, we have seen remarkable things today, right? This is the life of faith. There are so many times that Christy and I will say to each other, because we see God moving, we see God healing people, we see God performing miracles in the lives of this church and the people in our community. And we just say, that's remarkable we've seen remarkable things today and we'll say can you believe we get to be a part of this we get to see what god is doing this is what you're invited into this is what we get to experience so whatever message and whatever story you need to hear today just receive it today are you receiving what god's speaking to you today so as we close let's stand together and here's what i want to do we're going to pray but i want to do this as we uh, as we close this service let's just bow our heads And if you receive what God is speaking to you today or you're reaching out and saying, God, I need a touch from you today or I need you to heal this situation, just lift up your hands to God as a sign. God, God, we receive it. We need you today. Our faith is lifted today. If that's you, lift up a hand. If you're here today and you're saying, God, I need forgiveness of my sin and I need my relationship with you to be right, that's the biggest thing that I need to have happen today. If you would humbly admit that you are a sinner and in faith you would say, I know that you died and rose for me. That's what you need to do. And then you are recipients of God's grace today. So if you want to do that, just lift up a hand to God and say, God, I need that. Maybe it's you that you have had faith that you're, you're believing for something for God to do and your faith used to be strong, but now you're kind of like that guy thinking, I don't know if God's ever going to do this. I want this to be a moment where we reignite our faith. And if that's you, just lift up a hand to God and say, God, I'm reigniting my faith. I'm praying for this. Situation. I need you to move. I need you to heal someone physically. I need you to do a work in my body, in my spirit, in my family. Whatever it is, God, we, again, we collectively ignite our faith and say, God, we know that you work miracles. We know that you are the God that redeems, that God that heals, that provides. And we've seen these stories. And in faith, we declare that you are the same God today that did these miracles thousands of years ago. So in faith, we're praying for miracles for the supernatural. We're praying for physical healing today, God. And maybe there's people today, God, that just feel like they're on the outs. They have been told by others that they are excluded from God, that there's a reason why God has kept them out. And may they be reminded today that you are the God that brings in The God that includes. Our humility and our faith always results in you welcoming people in. And so, Lord, we praise you. And if that's what you need from God today, just lift up your hands and say, God, I just need to know that you're with me. To know that you're watching out for my life. That I am close to you. That I am a friend of God. So, Heavenly Father, we pray today, whatever work you need to do and everybody who's listening to this message, I pray that right now that you would speak to their hearts. If it's a message of salvation, if it's a message of care and healing and provision, if it's a message of just reminding people that you are with them, that you are bringing them close, that they are a friend of God, do that work in every life today. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. I pray for those who are in need of miracles today. Again, God, we pray that you would provide. We believe it. We believe it. We know that you can heal. So Lord, we're praying for that. And I pray that the life of this church would just be marked with so many days that we just leave either a church service or an encounter in the community or whatever it is. And we just say, we have seen remarkable things today because of what you are doing in our lives and through our lives. And that's what we're praying for today. So Lord, build your church, uh, draw us closer to you, make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. If you would like someone to pray with you, we've got prayer team members who will be up at the front. And maybe as Colonel mentioned, that prayer card on the back of the Connect card, fill that out. We would love to pray with you this week. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.